today's show, as always, sponsored by LivasaIslandApparel.com. For gear that represents the South Pacific Island languages and cultures accurately and responsibly. Put on for the culture. Catch the wave at LivasaIslandApparel.com. Let's get this kicked off. Welcome, everyone, to the Balinesian Podcast. Sponsored by Levasa Island Apparel, I am Lance Falitongo, and today for episode 22, we have with us a security professional, personal trainer, husband, father, author of the new book, Emotions Into Motion, Jordan Blue. Welcome to the show. Man, thank you very much. I'm truly grateful to be a part of this. This is something I've definitely been waiting for for a long time, being on this with you and and the whole community of Levasa, man, it's been, it's, it's a huge honor. Nice, nice. You've always been part of family, so it's really good to get you, you know, on record and really shine a light on what you've done and, and what you're doing right now. The newest thing, new book, Emotions Into Motion by Jordan Blue released uh, just this week, right? We got the, uh, the ebook version that's out. We got the paperback. We got That's the hardcover coming soon. Hardcover is coming soon, man. I can I can tell you a whole bunch of news with that. Cause that's that's something that's something with the publishers that we could that we could bring about. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna be asking you questions and kind of getting your experience and expertise on, you know, writing uh, these pieces, putting together a book, and especially kind of the the publishing process and and what your experience has been uh, going through that. But let's start. Um, let's let's start with you. <laughs> yeah. Who are you? What? Where? Where are you from? Man, well, I am originally from the Bay Area, California. I was here in Portland, but throughout my youth, I, me and my family, we were just as nomadic as. Bro, <laughs> same. <laughs> moved so many places all all at once. Uh, and that honestly was kind of the huge origin of my story and how I've been able to connect with so many different people. And yet at the same time, disconnect with so, so many people just as fast. Ooh. <laughs> and uh, it's, a, it's been a huge journey. Oh, most definitely. And, uh, but no, I, when you talk about somebody who is a jack of all trades, I would be something, something just as much as that. I, Love, love to sing, love to work out. I'm a strength conditioning coach, personal trainer. And now, like you say, I'm, I'm an author. Like, this is something that I never even expected to be. And now when you, uh, when you're, you're a coach, uh, what sport do you coach? I coach a lot. Uh, I special specialize in basketball because that's what I used to play. Um, but I've worked with football players, baseball players, golfers, soccer players, tennis players. Uh, worked with my guy F Dot, uh, nice professional fighter, MMA fighter. Dude is on top, and I love seeing him pro- progress. Um, so shout out to my guy F Dot and Champs Meals. <laughs> hey, when you uh, when someone comes to you and, and and wants you to be their personal trainer. Everybody is different, so every plan is different. How do you approach people and their goals? Like when they tell you, hey, I want to lose 150 pounds before this summer or like something, 
do you have to like kind of temper some people and, and bring them back to the reality of how bodies work? Oh, by far. I mean, the, no, <laughs> I definitely learned as a personal trainer, first and foremost, is that is the biggest principle of individual differences. Everybody has their own body, their own process of learning, their own process of growth. Their bodies handle things differently. Some people may have injuries. Some people may be perfectly healthy. Like there's a lot of things that you have to work with. And so the number one thing that I like to do, my number one method is get to know them just as a human being. Mm-hmm. And so the first, yeah, that's that first thing. I mean, everybody talks about like personal training is a business. It's an industry. Honestly, it's a relationship. You're building a relationship with somebody and you are, going in every day with them with the number one intention of helping them be their best self uh, mentally physically emotionally all of that because like working out fitness is just one of those top uh top factors that actually allow the human being to feel and act and be able to behave in their best version physical fitness yeah, that physical fitness, and it ends up being mental fitness and emotional fitness. So yeah. So it, I mean, so you talk about a, a full human being. It's not just like assessing them and what their physical capability is when they hire you as a as a personal trainer. It's like how motivated are they going to be? How like um, not necessarily how much are they going to give, but how much? How far can you push them? It's a, uh, like if I came up to you and was like, bro, I want to I want to get stronger. I want to like take some weight off my knee. I want to feel better. I want to be around for my kids, you know, when uh, when as they grow, what's uh, what's like a life lengthening personal training tip? Yeah, well, the number one thing is I am. I've been reading this book uh, called The Conscious Coaching, The Art of the art of buy-in and it's from uh by brett bartholomew i definitely recommend it it's a great read whether you're a personal training strength conditioning coach or even just anybody who's a mentor because of course you can have all this knowledge as a personal trainer you can have all this knowledge as a coach or any type of master of a craft but to be able to get somebody to feel motivated to listen to you Like that's a whole skill within itself. That's not like a battle, right? It's a battle. And I mean, I'm dealing with a variety of different people. I, I deal with high school students. I deal with college students, uh, professional athletes. I deal with even just regular general fitness people in their journeys and they're on different levels of fitness. They may have different uh, etiquettes or different uh, knowledge of their own fitness journey and everything like that. And I have to meet them where they're at. I can't uh, be that. I can't sit and be the same person that I am with a high school student versus a fifty-year-old uh, gentleman or lady who is dealing with injury. I can't sit and have that same type of motivational uh, speech yeah. or that co- or that type of coaching where it may work for them, may not work for for these people. And so that's something that I have to adapt to each and every day which is honestly a huge blessing for me because it makes my day so much different every single day. I get to act different. I get to feel different. I get to come in with like, all right, you know what? I have to be very conscious of how I talk or I get to be comfortable here because I've built a more uh, 
sturdy relationship with these people. And so now I get to actually be a little bit more of myself or I need to be a professional. Each time is just a great opportunity for me to get better. That's dope. So is it because everyone is different and you are trying to provide that that push, Mm -hmm. it's you have to chameleon kind of for your uh for your clients and for your athletes and students and stuff that's a that's a that's a really good point i another thing you just you you said a little earlier is like your family was like a nomad and you moved around a lot and then that kind of helped you become friends easily and also yeah. cut off pretty <laughs> easily i think i lived i think i lived in like 10 different houses growing up. So I also kind of feel like, you know, I had to move around a lot and there were all new schools, right? So new friends, you got to figure out, you saw some similarities, you saw like the, uh, the groups, the different groups in different schools and you kind of like, okay, this is my group, I'm gonna slide in. But it, it was also, I also found that it was a lot easier to just talk to people because like mm-hmm. I was always talking to some new person every other year. So it's like, I do, I do relate to that. Where, where in the Bay, where'd you guys go from the Bay? So we lived in Campbell for a little bit. We lived in Sacramento, uh, San Jose, we, Los Gatos area. <laughs> we were all over the Bay area for a little bit. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, those are kind of the main, those are the main cities that we kind of, that we lived in. I mean, we, we moved back and forth from like different apartments, different uh, houses, uh, just trying to make, find our way. Um, that was kind of the one of the top things, kind of like how you said, it becomes so easy for you to kind of adapt and say, you know what? All right, there, there are new people. I get to figure out where's my click, where's my, where do I fit in and everything like that. And then you really get to see like, all right, there, there are the jocks over there. All right, there, there's the music kids. There's the kids who uh, like likes to play Dungeons and Dragons or in our time, it was Pokemon cards. Hey. Like, like, and I kind of took it as a little challenge. Like each time I got to each school, I would try to connect with each and every one of those clicks. You had, uh, you had a little something for all of them. Yeah, like get, get a little something for all of them and like, that helped me connect with so much more people, which was, which was awesome. And so then, yeah, like now as a grown man, I can talk to whoever I, whoever I please and not feel uncomfortable or feel awkward. Like I can connect with somebody and try to figure out what is that one thing that interests them with such passion that I can connect with that on a huge way. Like it's, it's a great growing period, but um like we talked about too, the gir- the curse of that was that uh, opportunity to disconnect very easily. Mm-hmm. Being like, even though as a kid I would come in and I'm like, all right, look, I can become friends with everybody in this school, but probably not for long because I'm not going to be able to contact them or see them ever really again. Mm. Um, and of course, one of the probably what fueled that a lot was I'd say. One, I didn't have a phone, so <laughs> we weren't we going to be texting or calling nobody. We were going to be texting or calling nobody. Like they, now, you have like everybody's got their own phone. Everybody's got uh, Xbox Live, uh, PS Five, all that, all these games where they can connect with anybody 
anywhere in the world. Yeah, but I didn't really have that when I was a kid. And then, so then I just got so used to, you know what? I don't need, I don't need to connect with them. I'm going to make new friends the next time I move. Like, mm. I just, I just kind of. The new chapter is, is real close. So why would I, you know, yeah. bury these resources in something that I'm not going to see, you know, fruitfulness in later. Exactly. I'm moving. I'm moving on. Yeah, go ahead. I've, yo, I totally relate to that like moving on to a new school it's like all right friends i'm really gonna miss you but i'm not really because i'm about to make new friends but it was nice like (laughs) how how but thinking about anything that we went through as children and then how it kind of extrapolates and grows into things we don't understand that we're suffering from as adults and like I don't know. We just got to talk about it. We probably talked to like a professional, but this is good too. This is, this is, we can figure out because I didn't even think about that disconnect possibly coming from having such, like you said, a nomadic upbringing and moving around so much, but it's good that we talk about it and, and kind of figure these things out. Um, do you, do you see writing as a, kind of like a way to work through uh, situations, emotions, trauma that you're going through or have been going through? Yeah, so I think about it kind of like a, a like this process. And I know a lot of people have learned about this, uh, not just recently, but it's been since writing ever began. But like we have so much things, think of like a to-do list, like, man, I have so much things that I have to do and I feel so overwhelmed that I don't even want to, I don't even want to uh, do anything. And so then when the moment somebody just writes down that to-do list, like it's a lot easier to start getting things done because you can break it down. All right, check. All right, check. And it becomes a lot easier. Um, when I, I had three concussions when I was in college and yeah. it led me to be hospitalized with uh, depression, anxiety, PTSD, um, and a lot of things kind of going on in my head. And pretty much one of the top things that happened was I had a lot of voices, voices just kind of in my head that I, I couldn't recognize, things I did recognize. And it was a lot of negative thoughts, suicidal thoughts, um, even like just stuff that I know is not me. And I was going to say, these voices, were they like your voices or were they like a different person's voices when, when they were talking? It was a combination of all three. Like I, okay. uh, I don't know if you've read that poem that I wrote yet uh, called "Voices," and like the first part of it is speaking of a siren, and it's a siren of something that draws me in with like this lustful desire and this feeling like I I need something but I don't know what it is, and so I'm just going out and reaching for everything, trying to numb or satisfy that thirst. Mm-hmm trying to figure out what is what is going to fill that emptiness that I have. The next one is the, the next voice is the demon. Like okay. demon that tells me that I'm not enough. The demon that tells me that I, I am, I am unworthy. I, I have to sit and try to be this perfectionistic type of person to try to give everything that I have without asking for anything in return. And I'm like slowly just kind of draining myself. So that way I can actually, feel like I'm enough, but it never actually happens. And then the next, the last voice is me, like the one that is kind of a combination of both, but at the same time is like, dude, you could be better. 
Nice. Like the, every everything's gonna be okay. I don't know how, but everything's gonna be okay. And it was just kind of like those are just three of them, but they were like thousands. It was it was crazy. Like I I couldn't keep track. And so like I said, I just started writing it down because honestly, all I had when I was in the hospital was a pen and paper, and I and I was there for a couple weeks, hospitalized. I was on watch and everything. And I just started writing it down and I just started figuring out, okay, what's, what's going on. And the more, <clears throat> and the more I wrote down, the more, like I said, the things start to flow. Things started to kind of, it felt like it was my, the moment I put the pen down, it wouldn't leave the paper. And there was rhyme to it. There was flow to it. There was music to it, a, a melody. And I was starting to see like, wow, I'm releasing this. Mm. I'm releasing this from my heart. I'm releasing this from my soul, my brain. And like the more I wrote, the emptier my brain got and the, the more silent, the more quiet, like everything. Nice. And it felt amazing. And pretty much by the time the end of the book, like all of those poems were put down, I heard God's voice. Let's go. And like, I, it was just kind of like, I released all of this and I, and I just had this, man, these are all my emotions put into some motion of my pen hitting the paper. <laughs> emotions, it's emotion, let's go. You're, you're putting down all these different voices and <clears throat> you realize that it's coming from inside you, but I do appreciate that the voice your voice that you know is your voice is the one telling you, you know, I don't know how it's going to work out, but we got this. We're going to get through this. That's having that is, is very important to be able to tell yourself because some people cannot see that, right? Some people don't think it's going to be okay, but they don't see how they're going to get through it. Um, and it feels extremely hopeless um and sometimes you can find that in another person where you have a really good friend that's like hey bro it's you know it, it looks shitty right now but it's gonna be okay but then to also be the one to tell yourself it's gonna be okay is is a, a strength that i hope more people can find um you said you heard god what is uh what is that feeling talking connecting with god and what is the message that he he wants you he wants to use you to say well one i mean i mean i was a raised baptist i went to a catholic school i had a and within that catholic school i was educated about a bunch of different religions buddhism hinduism um, all of that. And the one thing I really got to see was that there was a connection between three different entities and kind of like how Catholicism talks about is like the father, the son, and the Holy spirit, the creator, the one that is apart from everything, the flesh, the one that is among yeah. everyone. And then the spirit, the one that is within everyone. Um, and it's that connection that I've kind of realized that how we kind of discussed with me being a personal trainer, 
um, the connection that a man has with a woman or a man has with their uh, significant other, woman has this with their significant other, like it's a relationship. Like everything that flows within this world is a relationship. And we have that huge connection, that bridge that we continuously build each, each and every day. And the one thing that I've kind of really noticed is that when I talk about that voice I hear is one of myself and at the same time it's of God, it's that relationship with each other. Um, and that relationship with each other is something that is, whether it could be good, whether it could be bad, it's constant. It is constant and is consistently growing. Um, and that's something that if you can be mindful of that and have that uh, sense of communicating through it, like that relationship builds so, so flourishing. And I, that's something that I can definitely be grateful for that I've been able to kind of learn that at a young age and then learn that I'm not even mastering it yet. <laughs> still a long way to go. Still a long way to go, but I'm, I'm glad that I'm in the process of it. So it's, it's amazing. Nice. You're, you're headed in the right direction. What a, that having a closer relationship with God, what benefits do you find that provides you? Do you less anxious, you more confident, uh, more accepting of things like the, as you've grown and built a bigger bridge, you know, in that connection, that relationship, what have you found, uh, kind of benefits that you found? I find peace with being blind. That's, I find I find peace with being blind and understanding that I'm, I don't see what's in front of me. I, I may see inches to what God sees miles, and I can be okay with that. I'm not in control. The only thing I am in control is how I respond, how I act, how I behave, how I connect. What do I do? I'm in control of. And everything else, that's that's out of my hands. You could you could sit here and cuss me out, and I could be completely confused on where that came from or anything like that. But I do, but I can understand. I'm not in control of that, and in time, this things will be figured out. And like that, that's all I can. That's all I can kind of go about it. And so, yeah, I mean, in that, in turn with that, like I have lost a lot of anxiety like and that's it's huge healing because I can understand yeah I'll get, I'll get anxious every once in a while because one I got a daughter who is growing up very beautiful and she's dealing with a bunch of knucklehead boys who oh, already having crushes on her and all I can think <laughs> of is <laughs> all I can think of is Lord help me <laughs> I've been there as a young man. I know how crazy we get. I know how wild we get. Lord help me. And then now I have a young baby boy, three months now, and this dude is going to grow up to be a young black man. Yeah. Very wild world. And that can fill up so much fear. And I mean, you, you've heard of a lot of news that's been going on all around the U.S. and the the tragedies that have been going on. And I hear my wife tell me all the time, like, 
I'm scared for our kids. Mm-hmm. And the number one thing that like I hear is that I need to protect them. That's my natural instinct right there. Is I, for sure. The anxiety that fills my wife's heart means that I need to step up and be protective. And of course that, that can fill fear within any man. That can fill anxiety within any man. But at the same time, we have that natural instinct of that call to action. And I know you feel that as a father too. Like you- Bro, you, for real. Yeah, I was just thinking, I've been crying a lot like these last couple months and it's not like, I don't know. It's like I, I watch a Disney movie I've watched 20 times and Man, see it from yes. like a different perspective now. Cause I'm not watching from Nemo. I'm watching from fucking Nemo's dad. And yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm thinking about protecting a little baby and also, you know, turning on the news and seeing, uh, death and destruction yeah. and lives being taken away and trying to just empath and, and imagine that those like parents and loved ones who are, who are losing people to, to senseless um, violence or acts, not only in our country, but across the world. And it's like, I could not imagine having to go through losing a child um uh it makes me just want to like hold the baby a lot tighter and like you know we've got we've got this time but tomorrow is not promised and we say that man we say that a lot tomorrow isn't promised because every day we see someone dying uh what it feels like a lot sooner than their time should have been and because of other people's actions so it's like what can we do uh, to protect, uh, not only provide, but to protect um, our children. You have a, <clears throat> you have a poem called Black Child, where they, there are two births, right? The birth that you birthed, and then what is, what is the second birth? The second birth is of revelation. It's this being reborn, and like you talk about Christianity, there's baptism, with Buddhism, there's nirvana. There is an enlightenment of you understanding that society does not claim you like the tragedy the chaos the pain does not claim you they do, that does not own you yes destruction and and tragedy is inevitable that, that's that's bound to happen whether it's going to come from racism whether it's going to come from mass shootings mass killings whether it's going to come from natural disasters there's things that we can't control because evil mm-hmm. evil is present and you could sit there and question so much on being a victim of that, or you can think like, oh man, like well, this, is a, this is a horrible world. This is a horrible life. We're in a bad time. But in all reality, we need the shadows in order to be grateful for the light. If there was no dark shade painting, it would just be one color. There has to be a balance within that that gives us this call to action, and I said that before, a call to action to be better. Or else we'd sit here and be complacent with where we are. Yeah. I want to think that there's, like, evil didn't have to happen 
but it kind of shows, you know, what we have allowed as a society. Um, and you're right, change, changes to those things that um, <clears throat> we've allowed to happen need to happen. And that's what kind of shows people that change needs to happen is when something unfortunately horrific happens like that. Um, I do think we need to change like our, the way we make laws and, and how kind of uh, the will of the millions of Americans kind of uh, reaches legislation where it's not just like what it is now is you vote for somebody and then they kind of decide what's best for you. But if it's the, the system, I mean, I believe the American political system as created was supposed to be for the people by the people and representing them. But now it's like, who's getting money, who's giving money to people, (sighs) tear it all down. Back to (laughs) Um, there's, there's, a lot of stuff where we can definitely agree on that change needs to be made. And like when we talk about tra- tragedy is bound to happen, even with this tragedy, even with the tragedies that have happened recently, it comes from free will. It comes from human, human decision on making the decision to destroy. And we're not meant for that. We're never meant, we're never, we've never been meant for that. We've been put on this earth to create right how do we how do we keep people from destroying or is that just that person's prerogative and we just have to kind of steal ourselves away from it when that happens i wouldn't i definitely in my thought process i wouldn't say that we can just sit here and accept that it's bound to happen like anybody could be evil anybody could be bad no it's more of this I will continue to have the benefit of the doubt and have faith that humanity is good, regardless of how things can be, regardless of evil sneaking in there in the cracks. From the whole perspective, we as people have shown that we can be good among so much tragedy, among so much adversity. And I mean, that's something that, that's what faith is really all about. It's that relationship again. Like you talk about the relationship we have with an entity that we don't even see, have this relationship with people that you see each and every day. Mm. Like that, that relationship requires faith. It requires communication, it requires love. And like all of that is something that is a choice. It's not just this, automatic feeling that we get where we get butterflies in our stomach. No, that's just infatuation and and a desire. Love, faith, trust, communication, all that is a choice. And it's a choice that requires growth and experience to to build. Because you can love with all the strength in the world, but but how can you love with endurance and longevity? Like to do it for a long period of time because people change. And you gotta still love that same person. Right, right. That person has changed. Um, like you talk, I mean, we talk about marriage, we talk about what that relationship is like. It is scientifically proven that that person changes within five years. They change into a whole different person because of the experiences they've learned, the communications that, they, that has been placed within them, 
the habits that they've changed or habits that they've built or taken away. Like that's a whole totally different person. Every five years, people have their skin completely from the person they were five years ago. Exactly. Like you could sit here and think like, Oh, I mean, I've, I've remained the same. Well, you talk to, you talk to the same woman that you did five years ago. Do you have the same, do you have the same interests that, that you do? Like all little things and even big things within your character character that has been changed due to the growth that you've had and the experiences that you've had, like that makes you a totally different person. And in that turn, like you think about the relationship you've had with them, like you've changed too, they've changed too. It's like you're dating a whole new person. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it makes it new and it makes it exciting, but at the same time, it makes it scary because now you have to sit and change things each and every day and you have to grow. But at the same time, that still is a choice on you saying, you know what? I want to do that. Bro. So choosing, like you said, choosing to, I want to continue this journey uh, no matter the changes, because it's you as a person and your changes that I love. And nice. You're raising black children. Um, you grew up, you are now a black man in America. What are, um, what are some things you have to teach them? Or what are some things that you've already found yourself teaching them that you don't think maybe like a, a white American family would? Number one thing that I, I mean, especially with my daughter nowadays, she's, she's living in an environment now that is very privileged. And I mean, part of that I am grateful for because I know that I, the moment that me and Annalisa have gotten together and I started raising this beautiful girl, I wanted her to get out of danger <laughs> right. as fast as possible. And so we, when we moved into our new place, the environment has completely changed into a whole new world. And as she started to be around those people, she started to think that she deserves or she's entitled to the same things that they are. And the one thing I've kind of really me and my me and Annalisa, like we've really pulled that back and said, no, you're this this is not the this is not gonna be the case. What are what are some of those things? So some of those things that I've seen is I mean one questioning authority. Questioning like, what? Questioning authority. Okay. Or, like talking back to authority, having an attitude towards authority, uh and kind of having this thought process that Oh, nothing's bad gonna happen happen back to me. <laughs> like I like she's not gonna get grounded, she's not gonna get spanked, she's not gonna get disciplined, is what she thinks. That and then like of course when you when you start going for the next relationship of, of authority, that ends up being law. Like, like you can imagine just being pulled over and the officer giving her some giving her some lip. Yeah. Like what like what are you doing? What are you doing in these parts? And then she gives some attitude back, and then automatically you're dealing you're dealing with another Sandra Bland situation. Like it could happen so quick, and it's one of those things where like you 
more than any other girl in our neighborhood right now, more than any other human being in our neighborhood right now, need to, you need to think before you speak. Yeah. You need to think about how your words will affect the conversation later on, or else you could be dealing with some consequences that the majority of that neighborhood will not have to deal with. If they were, if they were to give back the same lip to authority or the law like that, they wouldn't get the same, what, what your daughter might. Yeah. And like that, she's been wanting to kind of go out and uh, hang out with her friends, like in parks that are still nearby, but are like around the corner and we don't see her. And of course, as a protective father, I'm tripping. But it's one of those things where I have to be okay with her growing up. True. And at the same time, I'm like, look, you are a beautiful, young, black, Costa Rican mixed girl that none of these boys have ever seen before. The older you get, the more these boys are going to have different thoughts. And of course, I can't tell them. And they're going to see her as exotic, a different, the the, the other different kind of girl. They're going to see her as exotic. They're going to see her as this, oh, I've never had this before. Like, gotcha. I've been in, I've been in an environment. I went to high school in a very, at a very privileged uh, high school and out of 1,200 students, there were about 12 black students. Oh, damn. And Y'all were the 1%. We were, oh, of course, yeah, we were the 1%. And it was that 1% where everybody wanted to be around. And especially like with my sister, Lord help her the, the to deal with because of when she was younger, because of the young men who saw her as, oh, wow. I've never had that before. Uh, and like, goodness, the moment the moment I left from high school, everybody thought that that was free reign because they were like, oh, she doesn't have her older brother to protect her. <laughs> gotcha. <clears throat> so you have to balance that, letting her grow and become an adult, but also protecting her from what you know are men yeah. in the world. <laughs> it's... It's a hard thing to do because, of course, like at the same time, like I tell you, it's bound to happen at some point. Like my daughter, my sister, they will deal with heartbreak. Like that's that's inevitable because you need heartbreak to grow. But at the same time, I don't want that to happen because, one, I felt heartbreak and I've been the one to cause heartbreak. And neither of those feelings are good. So that's one of those things, like if through experience, you want to protect others from that same experience. Especially your, your babies. Especially your babies. <clears throat> you talk about um, young black women growing up and have to be um, seen as a sexual object from a very young age and what they have to deal with and you wanting to protect them. What is something you plan on <clears throat> teaching your son uh, so that he can grow to be a good man. First but also to deal with being a person of color in, in America, especially in uh, white Oregon. Well, the number one thing that I've learned from experience is being a son is I learned from the example 
of a black man and the relationship that I've had with my father, this man has made plenty of mistakes in his life, some before I was born and some after. And I've seen that and I've seen him redeem himself and I've seen him grow and I've seen the affection and the praise that he's given his wife, my mom. And I've watched every part of that and I'm remodeled it into my own. Yes. And the one thing that I, I so am grateful for is that when I was a kid, of course, one of the top things a lot of kids say to their dads, I want to be like you, especially the, for the father that is present in their life. The kid has no idea what the dad has been through. The kid has no idea what <laughs> the tribulations, the bullshit that the, that the father has been through, excuse my language, but he sees a hero. And so he wants to model everything that that hero has done. And so my number one thing that I will continue to do for my son, in front of my son's eyes each and every time, and even outside, outside of his vision, is be the best version of myself. Show him how I treat a woman. Show him how I treat a woman who is not my woman. Show him how I treat my children. Show him how I treat other men, how I, how I converse with other people. The more I do that and the more he sees that and he sees how that has benefited me, benefited not only me, but my family and benefited the people around me. I can only pray after that, that he sees that this is how, this is the way that he should act. Because other than that, I'm not going to sit here. I'm not going to sit here and force him to, hey, you need to play basketball like me. You need to go to college like me. You need to you need to uh, run your own business or anything like that. Whatever he chooses to do, I will support him fully, fully one hundred percent. But when you behave, when you act, when you feel like the best version of yourself, well, whoever that may be, that is when you will be successful. That is when you will be not only as good as me, but better than me. <laughs> Nice. You're you're taking your father's example of of you know making mistakes, accepting them, doing the work to you know find that redemption and, and growing. You modeled that for yourself, and you're hoping to model that behavior for your children so they know <clears throat> uh, when they have a question of what to do, they can just think, well, what has my dad always done? Yeah, he's just nice or he's, you know, strong, but doesn't like beat people up. He's like, talks through things. He walks away when, you know, to keep people safe or something like that. That is, that's also what I plan to do um, for my daughter. I don't know how to, I can't set a, teach her how to be a woman, but I can teach her what to expect and accept from men. I can teach her, you know, if you want to model after your mom, well then let me treat your mom right. So you know that, you know, this is what you deserve and what you should be looking for and not just, you know, find the first guy that thinks I'm cute or gives me a compliment or, you know, stuff like that. There was like a, there's a meme. It was like, 
spend time with your daughters so she doesn't accept just like a trip to Miami with some dusty son and think it's love. I was like, oh man, oh no, I've never been to Miami. Like, and kind of like how you said, you had a great point. Um, like, of course, you can't t- show her how to be a good woman. Like, you can't, you can't do that. But when you treat your woman with the ultimate care, the ultimate support, the ultimate respect, in turn, that make, that brings your woman and leads your woman to be the best version of herself. And nice. Take the same nature to you, right? And support you and love you and respect you and accept things from you that you give to her and at the same time tolerate the things that she knows are little and will communicate with you that's mm. way best way possible on the things that she needs from you you the more you two grow in your relationship with the intention of growing and the intention of being the best version for yourself for yourself and for each other mm. She's going to have the best models in, in the fucking world. Excuse my language. She's going to have the best models because she's going to see, man, my parents had an argument, but it didn't even feel like an argument. Right. Conversation because they, they didn't appreciate the way that things were handled in, in a situation. But instead of just either walking away, they talked it out. They figured out the best way to communicate that. And how I want to do it because it doesn't feel like I'm being yelled at. It doesn't feel like I'm being talked back at. It doesn't feel like it's actual conflict. It's a meeting. It's a meeting. It's a, it's being able to express myself and feel accepted for what I express. And then being able to listen to somebody without feeling like I have to be defensive, but it helps me say I can change without feeling like I have to change. Yeah, they provide that that space for you to kind of self-reflect on our words. Like, is there something better you could be doing for this family? I th- I think about that a lot. I'm like, yeah, I could have done those dishes this morning. Or like, I could have, you know, I should be helping out more. Uh, <clears throat> what, are, uh, what are some really good traits uh, to have in a, a significant other, a spouse? What did you find? One of the top things that really, really drew me in and kind of built longevity with me and my wife is she challenged me on the boyish things and become a man. And it wasn't the, she didn't force me. She wasn't telling me that I I need to pay bills. I need to do this. There was no nagging. She saw that I was still connected or bridged at the hip by with my parents, and like they they were very supportive, they were loving and everything. But at times you could feel like they were kind of helicopter parents a little gotcha. bit. Like it, it was just all out of that protection piece, and I, like we want the best for him, and we want him to grow, um, and we want to make sure that he doesn't fail. Like that's every parent's uh, intention. But it was kind of like at this point where everything that I was trying to look for was going to be provided for me. So I didn't go to look for it myself. Oh, okay. And after a lot of adversity and after the tragedy of me being uh, concussed and hospitalized and everything like that, it was kind of like I was at, I was at rock bottom. I didn't have a lot of support. I didn't have a lot of uh, care, not because 
nobody would give it to me, but because I didn't accept it from anybody. And mm. my wife, the, my wife, she came in and she said, I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I do not care. I will give you everything in, in my power possible. But at the same time, I'm going to challenge you to be better because you can be better. And I've seen you be better and you have consistently impressed me. And that's what she continuously told me. It was like, I was getting that positive affirmation each and every day. And she gave me the time and the patience to find out who that is while she worked. And it was like, I, I had time to reflect. I had time to figure out what, what to do to be better. And she helped me with any, with anything that I, that I needed in that, in that time. And so then it was just kind of at that point where I was like, wow, she's giving so much for me. I'm going to give that back to her tenfold. Mm. I'm going to get her, her dream car. I'm going to get her whatever she needs. I, I'm, we're slowly up there to buy her, her very first home. Like that's all of that is the goals of whatever dreams and whatever passion she's ever wanted I'm going to give that to her because she has given me the foundation to continuously grow in my own empire. And so in, that's in your time of most need in my time of most there. need when you had there. nothing before you were an author, before you were a best-selling author, she was there for you. Before any, before any of that, before I even had goodness, a nickel in my dang wallet, like I, I barely had anything to show for, I was sitting there. I was even, my behavior wasn't even anything that mm. husband material would ever require. Like all, all of that was just, I was at a minimum. And she saw a masterpiece within rubble. And she was, she was there for it to form. She was there for it to be figured out. And that was, that's the ultimate blessing that any wife could be. You could you sit and have that beautiful girlfriend who can make you laugh. You can sit and have the girlfriend to uh, make you make you look good. You have all of that. All of that type of stuff is great little traits, but pales in comparison to a partner who supports you through anything and through your lowest. Someone that's gonna you can trust to be there for you because she was. And it's getting it's getting better now. So <laughs> that's dope. The exactly. That's a legit like life partner, not just like exactly. someone I'm married to, but someone that you know is helping me through my stuff and makes me want to help her. And it just it's a cycle that will continuously better upgrade and lift your the family you guys are growing. Nice. Exactly. You got to how how'd you guys meet? <laughs> oh man, uh, I like the bartender. I mean, you think like <laughs> <laughs> I, I was visiting from college, and I was taking my boy out for his birthday, and we both are fresh twenty one. And she, my wife she says this all the time. She was just like, <laughs> uh, "You didn't know nobody, but everybody knew about you." And I was like, "How?" I wasn't even 21 yet. I, do, I don't even know. That. <laughs> and yet apparently I walked in and like, 
girls. Got, like, oh my gosh, come. And so, yeah, that, all of that was ridiculous. And I was sitting here like, oh, whatever. And <laughs> I was flirting with all these girls because I was that I was that guy. My friend, my boy was that guy. All, we were we were two light skins at a club. <laughs> you think of it, think of it like that. Uh, and then she got a day off from bartending, and she hangs out with some of her friends. And we ended up meeting. My friends met her friends. We were both we were all both there. And <laughs> she introduces herself. She's like, "Hi, I'm Annalisa. What's your name?" When I tell you I introduced myself with my alias name, <laughs> uh, I, I went by the name Royal, Royal Blue. And I was like, hey, Royal, Royal Blue. It worked for every other girl. <laughs> <laughs> but she said, she sat there and looked at me with the most straight face and said, do I look like I'm stupid? Ain't no parent naming they they boy Royal. What is your real name? And I was just like, oh man, my, my name's JB. <laughs> oh, you got initials. JB, you gonna give me initials? Like, what is that? I was like, she's like, what what's your actual name? Give me your name. I was like, all right, it's Jordan. She's like, Jordan, what? I was like, I'm being interrogated, bro. <laughs> and and ever like ever since then, she's had that same personality, and you know, you you know, Elisa, she's she's had that personality of look, I'm a, I'm gonna get what I want. Mm. If I want something, hundred percent, yep. Or I'm gonna get it myself, and that's and the first date, she, I was like bored at home, but at the same time, I didn't really want to go out because of my concussions, and she hits me up. She's like, hey, let's go, let's go to David Buster's. I want to go to David Buster's. Let's meet up. Never went on any type of date or hang out with just her ever. And she's over here treating it like we've been. She's like, come on, let's go. Come on. And I was like, uh, I, I don't know. It's pretty, pretty late. She's like, oh, it's fine. It closes till midnight. <laughs> and I was sitting here like, okay, well, I don't have a car. She's like, oh, I'll pick you up. I'll pick you up, fool. I'm on the way. <laughs> and I was sitting here like, what? <laughs> And I was like, well, I mean, I don't know. I don't I don't know you like that. She's like, brother, I ain't going to bite you. Like, <laughs> You're going to get to know me. Just, I'm downstairs. Get in the car. <laughs> like, that's just, that's, and like I said, ever since then, it's just been like that. I mean, she, she's been that type. And now, like, the relationship that we've had, when I tell you people change every five years, within the five, six years that we've been, that we've been together and the time even before that where we've, like being friends, she is a totally different woman. Totally different woman. Like you talk about the growth that she's been through, the patience that that's built within her. She used to be that fiery little girl who wanted to fight everybody, and now she just sits here and she's a mother. She's a mother to everybody, even people older than her. Like, <laughs> like that. She has been the most consistent in my entire life. Um, outside of my own mama and like that <laughs> that has just been something so fulfilling for me because while she has been that rock that foundation within our family I've been able to be the growth within the family and that that relationship has just been yo it's like 
supporting foundation. Like I'm gonna support, I'm gonna lift you, but somehow you're also gonna lift me. That's I mean when I think about the the physics of that type of thing, it's not possible, right? Because but in love and in relationships, and when you find someone it breaks the laws of physics. You can lift each other together in, into a greater thing. That's exactly. I, and if you want to put it into an analogy, it's almost like Mother Earth and Father Time. Like about the, the two analogous personified characters that have been there through throughout the beginning of time. Mother Nature and Father Time. Mother is that the mother is that foundation, the one that creates life and allows things to begin. And at times it, she will destroy in order to reconstruct and recreate. Father time is that support around it all. The fact that it will continue to make change, it will continue to allow change so things can progress and grow. And at the same time, it will never digress. Mm. It will never go back to the past. You'll have the memory of the past, but you'll ne- it will never go back to it. You, you change the experience each and every time. And that is kind of the relationship of, of significant others. You have that one person who is the foundation, the start and beginning of it all, that holds things together. They're that rock. They're that strength. That, that one person who will hold things together, and you have the one person that adds to it that builds it, that builds it up and lets it grow, lets it, that's how earth, that's how earth, our planet is, that's how our relationships are, that's how everything has been since the beginning of time. You need something to have a strong foundation or else it will all tear right back down and you need someone to grow it. You need something to grow it so that way it can bring more to, to that foundation. It can strengthen that foundation even more. And that's the relationship that me and my wife have. And I'm so grateful for it. I'm so blessed to have it. And yeah, man, I mean, I. That's. <clears throat> it's good. I'm, I'm happy you found that. I'm also happy you, you guys found each other and, and have that. And she's always been like a boss. And, and like you said, gets what she wants and knows how to. Uh, make things happen that need to happen. So you were definitely blessed, you know, to have her and, and uh, uh, her support in your life. And then another blessing to be able to, to share that and also to, to do your part and, and to help grow that. <clears throat> when you talk about the growth of your family empire, um, different businesses and um, careers that you've taken on and now into this uh, next chapter as you know Arthur uh, author uh, in the books what's uh what's next more books movies buildings <laughs> what is, what is uh, what's the what's the plan I don't know about buildings and or any of that uh, <laughs> uh, no I do have another book that I am writing currently writing right now it's another po- spoken word poetry book um and that will be called intersectional growth. Uh, kind of very similar to what we've been talking about already. The fact that we are all human beings with different personalities, different uh, characteristics, and it is all kind of intersectionalized like a, 
thread of a rope. Like you think you keep pulling out the thread of one piece of rope and it's another thread and it just keeps pulling and it keeps pulling. And it's all of those are different things about us that make us up, make us us. Um, so it's like the braid, uh, the rope of life, and you're going to take each strand for the inter intersectionality. Yes. And then intersectional growth, intersectional growth, unification okay. so, <laughs> and growth within that. Um, so that's, so that would be, uh, what that book is kind of pull, pulling out through my spoken word and everything that kind of relates to it. Uh, but right now I am kind of accepting the fruits of my labor with this book. And so the opportunities like being able to be a guest speaker for this podcast is a huge opportunity. I like that. That's next for me is being able to kind of share what I've written, share what I've mm. this world and Kind of, I mean, let it let it flourish, let it let it go. Um, I have another performance on. I have a performance on June nineteenth uh, over in Puyallup, Washington, uh, where I will be performing two of my poems, Zipporah and Black Child, uh, for the Juneteenth celebration over there, and I'm so excited to do that. Uh, and then hopefully I can get some more opportunities to do so. Uh, for the book itself. And then, of course, my day job and overall kind of money maker is uh, I will be a strength conditioning coach and personal trainer for as many people as I can while I have, while I have the time. Nice. Man, that's a lot of different. We've talked before uh, about having like different uh, income streams and revenue streams. And like it feels like today you need more than just a nine to five. But like you're doing more than just a side job. You're doing different careers and, and businesses and, and growing that. And that's, I think, a great example of, you know, kind of how we can break out of the employee mold that a lot of people are kind of, I guess, groomed into as young children in this company to like, just go be a good employee and to actually take something that you're passionate about, that you're good at, that you enjoy, that you can communicate to others and turning that into something that can sustain you and your family. Uh, so you are definitely, you know, a really good example to people of how they can uh, go from having a nickel in their wallet to, to <laughs> somebody with multiple businesses and, and continuing to grow. Uh, so, you know, I very much appreciate you for continuing not to just provide that example for your family, but to everybody that knows you and I'm, everybody that knows you is like, yo, we can we can trust Jordan to be doing something. He's always working, always grinding, always getting ready to uh, propel and elevate uh, his family. Uh, so thank you. Thank for you that. For that. Um, do you watch basketball? Man, I, I barely pick up the remote during the weekday. I mean, I'm I'm, work, I'm working a lot, but I've definitely been keeping trying to keep it keep up the playoffs right now. I, yeah, I didn't watch a lot of, of regular season basketball at all and then just started to try to watch as much uh, playoff ball to just have um, to be able to keep track of it here on the podcast. But <clears throat> Celtics and Warriors starts tomorrow. Hey, who are you going with? Oh, man, I can't, I'm a Laker fan, right? I can't go for the Celtics, right? But, <laughs> but I don't can't go for the Warriors, Warriors either. <laughs> <laughs> We have a draw. No one wins. 
Uh, initially, I was like, you know what? I'll take the Celtics over the over the Warriors because I had Jason Tatum in like a playoff fantasy uh, uh, bet with Shane and some other guys. Um, and then everyone was like, you can't be a Laker fan and, and go for the Celtics to win a championship. And I was like, oh, damn, that's right, because then they'll have more championships. And then I was like, I don't really care that much. Am I a fake fan? Maybe. Some Laker fans are. I might have grown up that way. Uh, Jason Tatum, his favorite player is Kobe Bryant. He wore that. Uh, he wore a little twenty-four purple armband in Game yeah. Seven. He texted. Uh, he texted Kobe Bryant's number before the game. He was like, "I got you today," and then he went out and did the damn thing. Uh, and then after they were like, "Why are you wearing the Kobe Bryant armband?" And he was like, "Oh, you know, you know, everybody knows how much he means to me. He's my favorite player." And they're saying this like, and none of the Boston fans are really happy. <laughs> they're just like. <laughs> that that's all the excuse you need as a Laker fan. Be like, you know what? This is the only true Laker fan. Yeah, us right now. So like, I, I'm gonna support that. No, see, I'm I'm going for the Celtics myself. Uh, I I haven't been a Laker fan for the longest. Even when Kobe, even when Kobe was a player, I just had full respect for him. Uh, my shoot, my team was the San Antonio Spurs, and I wasn't even from even from San Antonio. But uh, no. Fundamentals and championships. I can dig it. See, my boy Popovich, man. <laughs> Coach Pop. Coach Pop, man. That's that's been my my thing for, since the beginning. Uh, no, I've been I'm going for the Celtics one because full respect to my boy Jason Tatum. That guy's been work working. I've also had the pleasure of watching and playing against a couple of the players uh, on the Celtics. Nice. Uh, when I was in high school. Uh, Jalen Brown, he played at the Les Wild Invitational, so shout out to him. And then Peyton Pritchard, I've played against that boy ever since he was like in sixth grade, and <laughs> has embarrassed any any other point guard in this in the state of Oregon. That guy, will, that is such a hard worker. And so, respects to Peyton Pritchard. Shout out to that. Shout out to my guy, uh, He's uh, he's been a huge like example of work ethic when it comes to Portland basketball. So yeah, the, I'm, I'm trying to go for Celtics. At the same time, I think Warriors might win it. I, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, ESPN's like BPI index has the Celtics as an 84% favorite. Oh, 84? 84% favorite. Like 84% that. chance to win the NBA Finals versus the Warriors, 14%. But I'm like, like Who's doing the math today at ESPN? Where did this the the Steph Curry? Oh, okay, so he doesn't have full strength Clay Thompson. He doesn't have full strength Draymond. He doesn't have Kevin Durant. It's just Steph. But they've been how they beat the Mavericks. How they beat the other teams that they like. They've gotten hot from three. Jordan Poole dropping fifty points. It's See, the but, thing is like with NBA, with the NBA as opposed to like any other league of basketball, it's all about, it's all about show. It's all about show, show and ratings and everything like that. Everybody's showcasing their skills and everything, but there are select few teams and all, and pretty much two of them right now 
are playing against each other in the playoffs, where it's never really just been about showcasing your skills. It's all been about team dynamic, experience, and that drive, and that drive to, get, to win, regardless of who, who's playing. Like San Antonio, that's why they've been so dang good for a long time. Yep, yep. Uh, and like when you talk about Tim Tim Duncan when he was playing, like that dude had an attitude. But Popovich, did that. he? Oh my goodness! The one thing that like when Tim Duncan first came in, like you, he knew he was the shit. But <laughs> Popovich, when Popovich came came in, it was like. That that's like that's like having that strict ass uncle. <laughs> yeah, I ain't trying to mess with. I ain't trying to mess with him. I, and that's when Tim Duncan ended up being one of the top lead, like top leaders. Like not nice. even it don't don't even have to be a leading scorer. He was just a top leader. And like Tony Parker, <laughs> like all those players were Manu Ginobili. Oh my gosh, I had a major respect for that player. He that guy was. Hard worker, and then when Kawhi came in, like all man, I, the Spurs have been my the Spurs have been my team for a long time. What how what would you say Tim Duncan his best trait was? Like being the unshakable, consistent scorer, or like the quiet leader that inspired others, the the playmaking to get the ball where, it, or was that more system of the Spurs? Because the Spurs always pass the ball around beautifully, like it's you could get ten passes in <laughs> before a wide open shot, and you'd be passing out of open shots to get a better shot. And it's like I didn't see that until the Spurs, and I'm sure it happened, you know, with other teams, but it was always the Spurs where it was like even Laker fans were like, "Oh yeah, that's sexy." I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, that was a bunch of really good chess passes. <laughs> wide open corner three that that just hits the bottom of the net. What do you think Tim Duncan's greatest trait was? I think it's the fact that he he drove that. Like he was he was that player. Like a lot of people think that the playmaker has to be the point guard. Mm-hmm. In all reality, no. The point guard is just the like ignition. They're the first person to touch the ball, bringing it up the backcourt. The center has always been that guy who has been the foundation of the entire team. He's the biggest dude. And at the same time, the moment, the moment when it, the team's under pressure, you, you give it to the center because the center has the biggest and the most control. Nobody can really like, like stop them because their back is to the basket and they're there. They have that control. Nowadays, like everybody thinks like the big man has to be that top ball and ball handler all, all, all the day and time. No, you can just sit here and hold the rock and then see the entire court. Yeah. You can see the entire court as a center and then handle the rock accordingly to, to that. Man, that's what Tim Duncan that's what Tim Duncan did. Set that example, and then everybody else just played along with that because then everybody got to eat. Nice. His position and height afforded him the ability to see more, and instead of just using that for his own, he used that to open up the rest of the team and the rest of the team kind of flourished altogether. Exactly. Following that, that example. Nice. I miss Tim Duncan. He got dreads now. Man, he, that, <laughs> he's man, back in the man, islands. He's like, that man living his best life. Going home. 
<laughs> nice shout out to me, Duncan. Um, before we close, give me your best tip for partying downtown Portland. Uh, I'll say this in a very respectful way. <laughs> um, try to refrain from it. <laughs> <laughs> No, uh, in all all seriousness, I mean, Portland life is getting is getting better, but there's been a. I mean, there's so much going on within Portland. I think Portland is in such a reconstructive state right now. Uh, That that phase of where they're trying to build everything up because everything has just been completely torn down because of the last two years. Yeah, several several uh, tragedies that kind of went on during the pandemic with Black Lives Matter movement, like the riots, everything kind of like brought the city down. And so now that it's kind of being rebuilt up, uh, it's almost like you're dealing with new children. Uh. <laughs> you got a lot, lot more youth now. The new generation is, is a little uh, crazy. I've had the uh, experience of going out this last month uh, for my wife's birthday, and I'm just like, don't miss it. <laughs> I'm like, all right, this is we, we might need to go out of state to go clubbing now. <laughs> uh, but uh, <laughs> no, it's, it's still good. So I mean, figure out what the what your what your niche is when it comes to music and stuff like that. Oh yep, yep. Do your research because you got it. <laughs> Not everybody plays the same music. Not everybody plays the same music. And in turn, sometimes some of the music that that is played loves to inspire different behaviors. Uh, I know you and me, we got the privilege of working uh, one of the most notorious clubs in Portland. I will not name any names, but it loves to (laughs) a lot of... (laughs) Yo, we used to be seeing the drunkest people two, three times a weekend. And Mm -hmm. our job was to make sure no one broke anything and to make sure people got water and pizza as soon as possible once they were X'd out. Mm -hmm. And to gently walk them out the door and get them like an Uber or something. Safety, right? We're there for safety. We're there to make sure fights aren't happening to make sure people aren't getting over intoxicated like you're there to get intoxicated that's kind of the main point of the bar um and to meet people and to kind of fellowship and and be outside but uh i'd say for for tips if you have the money then tip tip as much as you can probably tip a little more than you think you should because your service can heavily be affected by how much the initial uh, kind of evaluation of how much money you're willing to spend is. Um, These are businesses, so you kind of have to do a little business talk, but uh, deals, tables are all available. Um, Talking to some of the promoters or some of the, uh, you know, guards or people outside. If you don't have a bunch of money or you, if you're like, partying on a budget, probably go a little early 
Oh, go early. Go early and get your stamp. Go early and get your re-entry stamp because some people have those where you can go in for free and get a stamp to come back in. Uh, whereas if you don't have a stamp and come when it's popping, it's like 20 bucks to get in. So that's a, especially if you're in a big group, you don't want to do that. Cause, I mean, but there's always somebody you can give money to to get in. Of course. Possible. Maybe. Out there. Just find somebody. I would say the, probably the one thing that I, I learned, especially being somebody who was kind of brought into the club family, like, get to know somebody. <laughs> oh, yeah. And be, and be a good person to that somebody. And it will it will benefit you in the long run. You got to be that you can't sit here and be entitled after the after the like even first five meeting times and everything like that because I've I've had I got a I got a yes. cut who because they knew me as a security because they knew me as a club promoter they can go to whatever club that they want be like oh don't worry I, I know JB <laughs> these motherfuckers don't me these don't make me look bad. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they, it's one of those moments where I'm just like, man, you know what? We just go, we come in, we enjoy our time, we appreciate whatever service is given to us, and like you said, we tip them for it because yeah, they're making they're making money off of the hourly, but they they provide for their families, they provide for themselves off of the tips. That, that yeah, is, for sure. Like you may think that oh, everybody everybody's tipping them. That's not the case. Not at all. That's not, not at all. Case. You can't be the guy that's like, oh, I'm not going to tip because they're, you know, they're serving a thousand drinks tonight. So they're probably making 5,000. It's not that nice, especially mm-hmm. at clubs. Some especially. people are crossing a line through the tip. Oh, bro. Oh, no. <laughs> I've seen it. Uh, always, always show appreciation uh, to the staff and, and people uh, waiting on you and serving you. That's restaurant, bars, anything where uh, their time could be going to somebody else. Um, yeah, make sure to, to show that appreciation. Um, where is Emotions Into Motion available now? You can find Emotions Into Motion on Amazon. Um, you just type in Emotions Into Motion by Jordan Blue. Um, you'll definitely see it there. It should be one of the first uh, books that posted up right there. I also have the link on my social media. You'll have you'll see it on uh, emotions in my page, emotions and emotion on Instagram. My page, uh, Mr. Blueprint SA, on Instagram, um, and you'll find it in pretty much any other social media that you'll see that you'll see me in. Uh, you will also see find the book in Pal's Books pretty soon. In Let's go! It'll be sold uh, all over the all over the nation, all over the all over the state within Pal's Books uh, and some other local libraries as well that you will find. Uh, I just have received a notification uh, from a one of the uh, in people who did that uh, festival or who were doing that festival for June nineteenth, uh, saying that they got the book over in Pierce College Library. So like it's already at the college library. It's already in the college library. So like this, you'll you'll start to find that all over the place. So hopefully soon enough it gets distributed everywhere. And we and we got a hardcover coming too. Hardcover will be coming coming too. So 
once I get the uh, reception from the publishers from that, I will let everybody know. Nice. Bro, blessings, blessings to you and your family. And definitely that's already something that is is happening for you. These blessings are coming to fruition, but uh, you guys deserve much more. And I, I hope that uh, that all comes out for you and your fam, man. Appreciate you coming on and and hanging out and breaking down, you know, your life, your process, uh, writing emotions into motion and, and the future for for you and your empire. Uh, do you have any uh, shout outs, any haze you want to say before we go? Man, shout out to so many people. Shout out to Top Flight, of course, the, that built this connection between you and me. Yeah. Shout out Polynesian podcast, man. This has been an amazing thing, being able to listen to you guys and, and all the connections that you've built through that. Shout out Lavasa, my boy Eroy. He's been killing it with it with his brand. I'm absolutely yeah. loving it. Uh, shout out Work With B, my boy Brendan Rawson. He's starting his own workout pro, uh, program. Excuse me. Shout out Fastlane and Langway Studios with my boy Giovanni. Shout out Champs Meals uh, with my boy F. Dot. Like all the relationships I've built through, through Portland, man. Appreciate all y'all. Shout out to all of y'all. Much love. There you go. Jordan Blue, author of Emotions Into Motion, now available on Amazon. Get your copy today. That is our show, episode 22 in the books. Love and light. Stay balling. <laughs>